your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to this Wednesday afternoon episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me um, probably Saturday, Sunday of this week, whenever the NHL wants to decide the uh, Penguins matchup against the Islanders for game one. No idea what time it's going to start. No idea what day it is going to start. Don't really know what the league is waiting for on that. Um, Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. And today we have another very special guest joining the podcast. I don't think he's been on here since January, February, but um, he's been a frequent guest that has come on here numerous times. Um, the Athletics, Jesse Marshall, who covers the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, as well as Rob Rossi and Josh Yoey. But Jesse, um, how are you doing? And of course, congratulations on the birth of your firstborn. Um, I know it's probably been a lot different considering um, you're hitting the playoffs and your, your kid is what, only a few weeks to a month old now? Month today. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, in a month today. So big win that we've made it to that, to that point. <laughs> like, neither one of us. It's like it's fun. It's the best job ever. It's the hardest job ever. Uh, she seems to enjoy hockey, you know, for as much as a one month old can. She watches it with me. So yeah, now, uh, now we just have to have yeah. her watch all the playoff games. That'll be the uh, yeah. The no pressure on her. You know, this is her first run. You know, there's going to be some tradition. She's going to have to absorb on the fly here. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Again, congratulations. I'm so excited you. for you um, and your wife. But, um, of course, today we're going to be previewing the Penguins versus Islanders matchup. I know I had Nick Zararis on yesterday. We touched on the whole playoffs. But today, of course, it is the Penguins versus the Islanders. It, Jesse, I, I'm going to do something a little bit different this time. I know I asked you uh, last year back in August when the Penguins were getting ready to take on Montreal. I had you on for a preview. I asked you, is there any way Montreal wins this series? As I was sitting down there at the Outer Bank sipping a drink, uh, I made myself look like a complete and utter dumbass because I underestimated the wrath of Carey Price and <laughs> how the Penguins were just struggling against these defensive first teams. But now we'll get a third crack at a defensive first team. And I think, though, for this year, man, they're much more comfortable playing this kind of team because they have the right personnel and they've also played them a lot better this year. I think the first thing that jumped out to me when I went back and watched some of these games against them is that they break the puck out a lot faster against Barry Trotz's team now. And then, you know, you compare that to 2019 when I was watching a little bit of that series yesterday somehow. And the, the Islanders were really knowing what to do with their coordinated dump-ins. They were just targeting the lower-skilled Penguins defensemen, you know, such as Jack Johnson or Eric Goodbranson or Oli Mata when they were on the ice. And... Um, they were just winning those battles every single time, but I think that's going to be a bit different now. You know, what, what's your take overall on that and just this series? Did you do you do you have an athletic login? And did you steal my article for tomorrow? <laughs> that's it. Uh, you know, I did. I actually went back 2019 and spliced breakouts uh, from that series in Montreal against um, what we've seen this year in the regular season. Uh, and it's markedly different to your point. Um, it's not, I don't think speed is the only element. Um, that is definitely one. Uh, I think in order to have speed hunter, the forwards have to be deeper into the defensive zone, right? Mm -hmm. They have to be back further. And they have been this season. Uh, I, you know, it's funny because if you watch the tape 
um, you know, against Montreal and against New York the year before, the forwards were, you know, 75, 100 feet away, standing at the offensive blue line, flat-footed. Um, you know, that things were just moving very, like, molasses-like. You know, it was very slow, very too methodical almost, too patient. You know, against teams like, you know, the Ottawa back when they ran the one-three-one and the Islanders now, the longer you take to break the puck out of the zone, the more time you afford them to set up. Right. So if you, if you move quicker and you get the breakout going faster, you know, the forwards coming back and the speed is one. And I'll add another one hunters that penguins activating their D again. Finally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my theory, here's my theory. I think if Genny Kuznetsov cooked the penguins in 2018, because they activated their D probably too irresponsibly. And in response to that, Mike Sullivan just took it away from him completely until Todd Reardon showed up. And Todd Reardon showed up and was like, if I'm going to coach this group, they've got to have a little freedom. And I feel like we can manage it the right way and uh, get them to a point where it's balanced. And it wasn't pretty, I think, at the beginning part of the season, but it came together with time. So you have faster breakouts. You have the forwards back deeper to help. You have defensemen, uh, I think, who are more equipped to deal with these circumstances. Mike Matheson, Cody Cece, and John Marino Hunter are all in the top third of the league with uh, controlled zone exits. So that that's not an ecosystem that's existed on the Penguins. Even when they won the cup, they couldn't boast that, right? Like Ron Hainsey wasn't in the top third of the league in controlled <laughs> possession zone engine, right? It's like, wasn't happening. So that's an element. Active D is a big one, though, like I said. And then the third, I think four, I'm on like number five. The other one, Hunter, that I'm going to talk about is east-west plays. Most of the time, they're bad. You don't want to make east-west plays in the neutral zone. But against the Islanders, the Islanders do something, Hunter, which is called a surf, right? In hockey, you call it like a surf or a float. And what that is is just a natural motion to the side of the ice the puck is on, right? So they put three guys at the defensive blue line. They have two four-checkers in the middle that just raise all kinds of hell and create turnovers, that all shifts to wherever you're at. So if you make an east-west play and change up and flip the script on them, uh, they no longer have a positional advantage over you. And I have a bunch of clips of the Penguins doing that in the neutral zone against the Islanders this year, starting a breakout, you know, doing all the things we just talked about, the speed and the defense and yada, 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 but then just changing the script on the Islanders halfway up or just Murphy dumping it across the whole neutral zone. And saying screw your neutral zone presence, we're just gonna go over it. <laughs> we're just clear the mm-hmm. clear the zone in the air, throw it up, make a puck race in the neutral zone, and more often than not, a guy like a Jared McCann and Jason Zucker, Sidney Crosby, they're gonna win that race. So it's everything you said, and I think even more. Um, I you know it's funny because like these are not analytically dominant results. Like in in the regular season against Islanders, the Penguins controlled like forty five percent of the expected goals, score adjusted. Um, they did like 49% of the shots. You know, they're unremarkable results, Hunter, that looked remarkably different, I think. Yeah. And if you look at the Islanders five on five numbers, you know, I'm at Money Puck actually right now. Their expected goals, um, 53.6 this year. Um, if you go to the actual goals, 55.6. Pittsburgh is actually right behind them in actual goals at 55.5. So the two teams are really close in the expected goals, in the goals for, but I mean, you know, as you said, you know, it's just, I I noticed that as well with how they are with, well, being more equipped to deal with the Islanders for check. Another thing that I noticed after going back and watching that series from 2019 compared to this year, Jesse, there's hardly any more odd man rushes that this team 
um, gives up against the Islanders. You know, it was basically like Brock Nelson coming into the zone. Every set shift that he was on, two on one scores on Matt Murray. That was basically the main thing that I noticed from yeah. 2019 to now. And Mike Sullivan, to his credit, really had his team clean those up. Uh, obviously, the personnel is a lot different now. You don't have Jack Johnson getting top four minutes against the Islanders. Well, um, not only that, though, Hunter, like it's a product of having the better breakout we talked about. Yeah. That's really what it is. I mean, when you clean that up, you don't, you're don't you not feeding the Islanders chances anymore. And I think something that Penguins like fans don't always appreciate and realize is in the grand scheme of the data, and you look at the results over this 56 games, and we have to judge them by the division they were in, right, and looking at the results of the division they were in, they are a really good defensive hockey team. Like they are. Yes. And, and I don't think they get enough play for that. And, you know, if you eliminate the odd man rush, this is, I think, this is the crux of the whole series for me. Okay. If the Penguins take that odd man rush out and they do not give it to the Islanders. Okay. Penguins are top five in the league in defending rush chances, top five in the league and defending chances uh, uh, from the slot. Top five, I mean, you, you keep going down the line, top 10 in the league in most of these categories, if not top five. Yeah. You're now asking the Islanders to beat that, notwithstanding your offense, notwithstanding, right? All yeah. the things you can do on the special teams, notwithstanding. You're just at even strength. You're asking the Islanders to beat you straight up on a team that outside of their one line really isn't that good offensively. So, and I just, I don't think they, I don't think they could do it. I don't think they could do it. But that, that manage, that has to be managed with the Penguins breakout hunter. They can't give that puck away. And if they don't do it and they play a sound, patient, almost boring game, right. That's predicated on their pace and on their attack. I just don't think the Islanders have the goods to hang with them. I mean, I know, you know, the, the Penguins are in a lot of ways as good as they are defensively. Um, and I, I think it's a tough, it's a tough thing for the Islanders to overcome. Yeah. That, that is the funny thing. These are two of the best defensive teams in the league. I mean, the Islanders, um, as usual, under Barry Trotz, do not give up a lot of high danger chances. I mean, that's just, that, that's that that is their mo. They want to make it as easy as they can on their goalies to make saves. I mean, that's why you saw Semyon Varlamov have seven shutouts this year, and he was what nine thirty, nine thirty five saved, um, however many goals above expected. He actually had a really good year, but you know that's you know credit to Trotz and his system. But you know, then you go to the Penguins and you look at Micah's stuff on Hockey Viz. Expected the expected goals against two point three. Um, last year was two point two seven. But if you look at that chart, black the, hole. Yeah, with the excess shots per hour, um, a lot of the red comes from the points. They do a good job in front of the net. They box out the the area between the dots, which is just so crucial um, on an every game basis. And you are right. You now, outside of that line of Barzell and Eberly, who of course is a Penguins killer, he basically scores once a game against them. I don't know if they have the depth to go at them, though. One line that is interesting is that Bailey, Beauvillier, and um, uh, Bro- Brock Nelson line, um, which was good in the bubble last year. I think Beauvillier had his best playoffs yet. I assume that Pedersen Marino will go out against them. And that's another thing, Jesse, before I do get to the commercial break here, um, I am so excited for this chess match between Mike Sullivan and Barry Trotz because they are two of the five best coaches in the league. But you know, who do they deploy against who? Like, does does Sullivan have Sid go out against the Barzell line, or does he leave that to the Aston Reese line? Does Barry Trotz put Pelic and Pollock out against the Sid line, and then leave the other two pairs to go out against the rest of the lineup? I mean, do you have Dumoulin Latang go out against Barzell and Eberly and whoever yeah. else they want to put on there? Uh, I'm just really curious to see that aspect of this series. So. 
I don't want to screw this whole conversation up, but we have to quickly go back to the defensive formation you're talking about and that black hole in the slot yeah. and the, uh, the job the Islanders do in the defensive zone because I do think the Penguins also figured this out. <laughs> and, I, and if you go back and look at the goals they scored against the Islanders this year at even strength, they did a good job of opening the Islanders up. Uh, I think making them expand that five tight collapsing D. Um, look, I, they so even though they converged sort of like all five players in front of their goaltender and protect that slot, they still attack the point aggressively. That's how they generate those turnovers. So the Penguins used really just a lot of low high plays to draw the two four checkers out up to the point and sort of tempt them to open the middle up. And I have a video I posted on the athletic of like one circumstance in particular on this, where uh, the Penguins are in the offensive zone. They have the puck at the, in the, in the, you know, deep behind the net, they throw it to the point, the Islanders go and chase them. And Jake Gensel's kind of posted up on the wall and does like a crossing route right through the slot and just immediately takes advantage of that open space. They throw him the puck. He gets a quality shot on net uh, from an area. The Penguins didn't even sniff. Uh, I think against the Islanders in the, mm-hmm. in the last time they met in the playoffs. Uh, and in that same sequence on they score a moment later by doing almost the exact same thing, low to high play Islanders chase them. They throw a puck on net and, and Brian Rust is there to get a rebound because, uh, you know, there's nobody around to, they, they kind of chase them up ice. So it's less of what, of, we're just going to accept this perimeter thing and we're going to skate around, you know, for two minutes and 50 seconds and then turn it over and the Islanders score, you know, it was a lot more fruitful. And if you go back and you look at the individual heat maps from those games, the Penguins are in the slot. Like they're, they're in there. They have a presence. They're getting shots from that area. It's not the same old, same old. So as far as like encouraging results are concerned with regards to that structure, that's one. And I think with the matchups, I don't think Mike Sullivan would care if Evgeny Malkin wasn't banged up. So I think that does that. What I mean is, is if you had a a healthy Malkin that was like guns blazing and ready to go, I think Mike Sullivan would just follow his own cadence. I don't even think think he'd be concerned about trying to match up, but, but you know, Malkin not participating in regular rushes today, which they say was planned. Who knows? Um, I I have a tendency to believe uh, if Mike Sullivan is at home and has that last change, there may be a tendency to use, especially if Brandon Tandem is going to be back, uh, that heavy forechecking speed uh, mix uh, with, you know, he and, and Bluger and Aston Reese or some form or fashion of that group uh, out there against the Barzil line, just in an effort to try to control them uh, and, you know, keep them under wraps uh, by proxy of playing in the offensive zone. Yeah. And I, and I'm just, I'm really excited to see, um, if Mike decides to put that line out there and, you know, we're going to touch a lot on Brandon Tanev coming out, well, coming up after this commercial break, just because I think people are kind of underrating his return to the lineup, um, because he, he, he had a very good season. I thought this year, um, for the Penguins, but we do have a touch on a couple things, um, before we do get to the next segment, one of them being about Locker Room. It's the perfect place to start or join conversations around the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. Be sure to join me this week. I'll probably be hosting a room Saturday or Sunday um, right after the Penguins game one. Um, go download the free Locker Room app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. 
Follow me at Hunter Hodes to be notified when my room goes live. I know you all want to miss it. Like I said, planning to be live Saturday or Sunday, and I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Penguins. See you there. And of course, we cannot forget about Bilt Bar. Did you know that Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors? When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the flavors, you're missing out. There's a few of them right here. Cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, and of course, my favorite, the peanut butter brownie. There's something for everyone. Um, if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. A couple of the flavors have 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. But most of them have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. You can go to BillBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BillBar.com. But, all right. We're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Penguins. So, Jesse, you mentioned Brandon Tanev, and um, that's going to be a huge return, I think, to the lineup. I think I saw this tweet the other day from Penguins Twitter. Um, when the Ashton Reese Bluger Tanev line was intact this season, I think they had 140 minutes of 5v5 ice time. 57% of the expected goals outscored the opposition 6 nothing. Um, I think the tweet came courtesy of 404 Response Code for Penguins Twitter. has a lot of um, great yeah. Penguins takes, takes. If you were not following him, uh, you're doing a disservice to yourself in the Penguins community. Um, but that shows something to me that whenever they are on the ice, they destroy the opposition. I mean, you're probably not going to destroy the Matt Barzell line, which weren't Eberly because Barzell is basically a walking zone entry with himself. He does it all and he can do whatever he wants with the puck. It is honestly just so hard to get the puck off his stick. But um, I'm just really excited to see what Tanev can do coming back from this injury. And I would love that matchup going up against the Barzell line, to be honest with you. Yeah, so two things about Brandon Tanev, I think, that make him a good candidate to um, you know give this a go. Uh, and these... This data, by the way, comes courtesy of Corey uh, shutdown line and the tireless work that he does and <laughs> uh, tracking all this stuff. Yes. Um, in terms of like recoveries, you know, so dumped pucks, um, you know, among NHL forwards, Brandon Tenham's in the 91st percentile of successful recoveries on dump-ins uh, and in the ni- 94th percentile uh, among forwards on zone entry denials. So those are good stats, right? Like that's a good stuff if you're, because you think about the things you want to do to like settle down Matt Barzell. One's dump the puck in and just keep it there, right? He's pretty good at that. And then the other ones don't let him get into the offensive zone and he's pretty good at that. So, uh, and his peers are too. So these aren't even, you know, these aren't even stats that are uh, specific to him. Uh, you know, his his buddies and friends uh, and, and Zach Aston Reese and, and Teddy Bluger, uh, it's all the same. You know, that's what's so amazing about that line is uh, there's no weak link in the sum of it uh, is, is just as good as the parts. So I, I think for me, you know, um, it's just a no brainer if you're looking to free up Sidney Crosby. But I, I, you know, I have a feeling Sidney Crosby, like a week plus off is going to look a lot different than the one that we saw, like carrying the load by himself down the stretch of like the last two weeks where I think he was just completely exhausted. Um, this, this one's coming off a big break. And I think that's where Mike Sullivan's going to have the confidence. They say like, I really don't care what Barry Trotz does against this line. Yeah. You know, I, it is going to be nice to see Sid kind of finally have a break after, as you said, you know, carrying the load um, for all these weeks, especially with Malkin was out for 23 games. You remember Bluger, 
um, was out for a while. And then, you know, obviously Brandon Tanev is coming back after honestly being out for a couple months as well. He came back for a couple games and then either re-aggravated that injury or just flat out got another injury. But in any case, just huge that he's coming back. And I really appreciated um, how well his offensive game came out this year too. Um, he wasn't that good offensively, I thought, last year, but he added that to his repertoire this year, as well as Zach Astermates with his nine goals, and then Teddy Bluger has solidified himself um, as someone who definitely, I think, needs to be protected in the expansion draft, but I think that that's definitely a discussion for another day. Um, as for the other um, line in the bottom six, uh, Jesse, I-, I know you were definitely a little bit against the Jeff Carter trade. <laughs> um, I know that Crow has got to be tasting a little good, um, but you know what? I- I'm not going to really shit on anyone for... Uh, being totally wrong about it. You know, I see Danny Shirey Irving just always. Himself <laughs> Poor Danny, on. man. Yeah. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> he he so had he, that tweet on things, the... There's two things I did right. I didn't say I'm going back to bed. Uh, <laughs> having like a baby, like that would require you to be asleep in the first place, which let's be honest, isn't that happening? And the second one is I just say the move didn't jazz me up. I was like, I'm not overwhelmed by this. That's how what about, I said. How about now? <laughs> yeah, now is a different story. But like Danny, on the other hand, he made his bed. Lesson learned for him. Uh, you know, we don't all, we're all not batting a thousand. That's for sure. Yeah, it's okay, man. You know, I've said it on this podcast so many times. Um, well, you I know, was... here's the thing, Hunter. Go <laughs> I'm gonna interrupt you because if you believe, like I do, in the strength of data and video and analytics. You can't just ignore them when they suck. You know, you can't right. look at it. Now, and I maybe maybe there's an element to this that we can all learn from about seeing the forest for the trees. And there's any number of of players that have been brought over to Pittsburgh and used in a better way, um, and and have seen growth from that. I mean, you know, great Justin Schultz. I mean, you go down the line. I mean, there's a list as his arm long as my arm. Uh, maybe there's like an unquantifiable factor to that. Um, and I'm sure that playing for a Stanley Cup contender when you're at the you know, twilight of you know, one year left after this, like Jeff Carter does. That's enough to jazz, I think, just about anybody up. Um, but I got to acknowledge, like, there's a total turnaround from what he was doing in L.A. Yeah. And I talked to Lisa Doman from The Athletic uh, in Los Angeles, and she reached out to me, and she was like, is he really playing this well? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, I don't get it. And I was like, neither do I. And then she went on to say, like, this is symptomatic of every player that's left Los Angeles in the last like year. <laughs> They've all left and have gone on to just absolutely be unbelievable elsewhere. So the Penguins are just reaping the benefit uh, of that. And and I like we've seen the win one for the Gipper trade work out horribly. Like Patrick Marlowe, for instance. Oh God, yeah. Brendan Morrow, uh, any number of players we could reference here. Uh, I, I this was one though that made sense in that like the Kings are going nowhere. This is a guy who's got a very limited amount of time to do it again. Um, you know, he's going to take it for granted. So, you know, I think if anything, maybe we learned a lesson about, uh, you know, uh, how to kind of uh, manage the change, the change of scenery, if you so to speak. Yeah. And I thought he would be a good addition, Jesse. I just didn't think we would be getting 2009 to 2012 version of Jeff Carter, who was a 35 to 40 goal scorer. Um, of course, with the Flyers, and then well, obviously we. Wait, I thought they played with the wing too, Hunter, and I—that was the, the part to me that was like, <laughs> ugh, you know, because like, no, I don't, I don't think I would have expected him to be this good of a two-way center. Mm-hmm. You know, the the part of him like the part about him hunting down scoring doesn't surprise me because he's done that his you know whole career wherever he is. Um, but I think like I I expected him to just be a winger. I think wingers are generally like 
right or wrong, less impactful, right? Uh, sometimes than centers are. Um, I'm surprised by that part. I think in particular that the impact he's had is Bennett center. That's been like the pleasing surprise to me. Honestly, like I, I didn't expect him to be a winger though. When he came over, I thought specifically he would become on the third line center right away. I'm glad I was right about it because when I was looking at the team going into the deadline, I was like, okay, the defense is set. You know, Matheson's playing so much better. He's making me look like a bit of a fool for, you know, kind of dumping on it. Well, I shouldn't say that. He, he kind of earned his criticism for the first month and a half of the season and then really turned it around, I thought, um, during the, the big moment. So I honestly think, Hunter, he's that. been, you know, he's been what was advertised defensively and probably slightly better he's a, offensively. He's, he's a forward. Yeah. You know, he's a little bit of a yeah, forward. Really. Um, but, you know, his defense overall was getting um, a lot better. But, you know, then I looked at the top six. I'm like, okay, this is solid. Ashton Reese, Blue Tandem line will be fine when Tandem comes back. I was like, they're missing another center. I don't want to see Mark Janikowski get meaningful minutes in the playoffs. He just doesn't do anything. And then when they went out and got Carter, I was like, okay, this is, I think, the third line center they were looking for. I mean, I obviously expected him to be good, but, you know, like I said, I don't, I didn't expect him to score nine goals and basically be a point-per-game player and, like, be on the ice for, what, 54 55% of the expected goals. Like, yeah, I think he has been throughout his Penguins Same. tenure. It's, and he's probably, and I would imagine, I haven't looked at it, but I would imagine he's probably <laughs> What, what do we say? 54, 55%. He's probably outpaced that. Yeah. He's it, probably his actualized goal for goals for percentage. I'm imagining is probably like something like 80 or something like that. Oh yeah. 100%. I mean, such a small sample size, but again, you know, and a lot of that also comes with playing with Jared McCann and Jesse, in yeah. my opinion, that's the big X factor line for the penguins, not only overall in the playoffs, but in this series, um, it's going to be really interesting to see what Barry Trotz does against that line because they are eating it up in the offensive zone. You cannot get the puck off of either of those two players. And, you know, I can also say the same thing a little bit about Freddie Goudreau. He's been awesome since coming into the lineup. Yeah. It doesn't really matter to me if you put Freddie in there or Evan Rodriguez. I think they're interchangeable in my opinion. But I also don't think right now you can break that line up. But do you think this is the big X-factor line as well with how they can produce? Because they needed three scoring lines in all three of their cup runs in uh -huh. the Cigino era. And I think if they want to go on another huge run here, this line needs to continue its dominance. Uh, yeah, it definitely is. You know, Jared McCann is having uh, a stupid good year. Uh, it's just phenomenal yeah. uh, across the board. He's shooting uh, at an obscene rate. He leads the team in goals, goals. of replacement. <laughs> yeah, I know. Of any player in the last 10 years. That's, that's just insane. On war. On war. On yeah. wins of replacement. He's having the best season of any in the last 10 years. Um, which, you know, is driven again by his shooting percentage. And I don't, doesn't mean to like diminish his accomplishment. But when you look at like the micro data too, because I, you know, to me, the question was like, what is the, what's responsible for Jared McCann's like all this gestures wildly. Uh, and I think it's one he's carrying it a lot more. And I think anytime you do that, you, you start to create opportunities for yourself. Um, he scored a couple goals this year where he's been the guy that's taken the first shot, right? And when you take the first shot, the defense turns around, they go to chase the puck, and then you can get in behind them and position yourself. And he's taken advantage of all that. I like him better on the wing, Hunter. I think he's a better winger than he is a center. It gives mm -hmm. him less ice to have to worry about. He can kind of focus, uh, you know, in on, on, you know, creating offense and getting out of the zone and, I think he's fine defensively. I don't think there's anything defensively that prevents him from being a center, but with the way he likes to drive to the net, 
the way we've seen him, you know, sort of dip his shoulder and come off the wall, it just makes more sense for me to position him there already and, and kind of empower him to do that a little bit. So um, it's been, it's been a, it's a story for me. that's very similar to the one of Brian Rust and maybe not on the same level of offensive explosion. Um, although we've certainly seen it on a power play. Uh, I just think that the, the decision-making, the, the, the sort of taking it over as a conductor and driving the play, being the first shooter, attacking off the run. Mm-hmm. That's all the stuff that Russ did when he broke out. So it's just not surprising to me to see McCann just kind of take that same recipe and, and cook it up here. Uh, it's what good players do, you know, when they start to figure it out. And and I think that that's uh, the point in, where, in his career that we're at, which means to me, you know, things are only going to get better from here. Yeah. I mean, I've just, I've loved his progression this year. You know, I know he struggled so much last year with one goal in his last 25 games. Um, his underlying numbers weren't overly terrible, but he was just getting so unlucky with the puck on his stick. And, you know, that did a complete 180 this year. And now he is firmly entrenched for someone you have to protect in the expansion draft and someone who I want to extend um, ASAP. But I'm really excited to see him and Carter go at it as that dynamic duo in the playoffs. And, you know, good luck to Barry Trotz finding a line or and a defensive pair that can go out there and stifle them because like I said, they are just eating it up in the offensive zone and you really cannot get the puck off either of their sticks. I mean, McCann's playmaking ability is off the charts this year. And then Carter's one of the best volume shooters in the league. And he goes to the dirty areas, like a little bit of a mini Patrick Hornquist. I've kind of noticed while I watch him. So um, it's been a lot of fun to see that line. And then, you know, we obviously we've already touched on the Aston Mace Tanov line, but you know, in the next segment, um, we are going to touch on a little bit of the goalie talk, especially with Tristan Jari, because uh, last time I think we talked, um, he was going through um, a huge rut, but after that, um, he came through in a big way. But we have to touch on a couple of things, one of them being um, Wealthfront. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. It's trusted with over $20 million of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started, though. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you to get your first $5,000 managed for free for life. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. That's wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL to start growing your savings. Remember, one more time, wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL and get started today. And one more thing, cannot forget about bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at bet online. Before the next pitch, head over to bet online on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. You can head to the website or use your phone to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Let's bet online your online sportsbook experts with a promo code locked on. But okay, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. A um, few more things to get to here, Jesse. So the goaltending stuff. Uh, Tristan Jari firmly entrenched as the number one goalie going into the series. Rightfully so. I think um, after February 16th, he really turned it on. And you can count the number of bad starts like below 900 on almost one hand. I think it's about six to seven ever since mid-February where he was 900 or below. But he had two huge runs where he was going 920, 925, 930, 935 consistently for the Penguins. It had quite a few shutouts down the stretch 
as well. And I was seeing some weird takes on Penguins Twitter this last couple of nights saying, well, you know, I don't like Tristan Jari. Tristan Jari is not that good. I don't really know where that's coming from. I think that's just either you're missing Marc-Andre Fleury from previous years or you just weren't watching a lot of games this year. But I'm excited for Jari for his first playoff series. And if he has to steal a game or two, I think he's 100% able to do that because yeah. you're probably not going to sweep the Islanders. And I don't think it's going to be a full-on uh, revenge is a disperse, best served cold, as you know they say in Star Trek with with Khan. But um, I think if, if Islanders outplay them in one or two of the games, and that's probably what's going to happen at least in one of them, I think Jari can be there to stand on his head. I'm just, what are your thoughts on Tristan Jari's season and going into the playoffs? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, the arrow is definitely pointing up, um, you know, which is a good thing mm-hmm. considering where we were earlier this year. I, I think about, you know, we didn't really get to see this um, against Montreal last year, which is unfortunate. But I think about, you know, what we talked about, you know, with regards to like speed and the ability to turn things around quickly so that you can, you know, sort of beat that establishment that you're dealing with on the other side. You know, having somebody back there who can move things is going to be important. Um, in the one, what did he get? One start against uh, Montreal, right? It was one, game four. Yep. Yeah, yep, yep. And that was it. Um, and we, and things move so slowly after that, that it didn't even make a difference. You know, if he, no matter what he was going to do back there, it was, it wasn't going to be enough. So hopefully you get to see an impact from that. Um, and, and noting that you know, you're looking to beat them to the punch, so to speak, right. And like get up there before they can, uh, you know, establish that sort of wall. Um, you know, that's a huge part of this process. So, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I guess here's the thing, you know, like for you, I'm like you said, I'm not really concerned. Right. Um, and if things were to like fall off, you know, the wheels fall off and and all hell breaks loose, you know, it's not like the other option has been atrocious. Right. Um, and you'd assume, um, that, you know, Casey dismiss me health, you know, he'll be available. Right. Um, to be able to, to, to get in there and with, you know, the returns have been, you know, positive so far leading up to this, but, um, in terms of his participation, um, but you know, it, it, you kind of settled in with here. I guess what you end up with is two options that you look at and you're like, eh, okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's it. Right. I mean, that's, you know, you're not excited about them, but you, you're not, they're not like, you're not terrified either. And I guess that I've always maintained, and I know we've talked about this before, this particular group only needs average. That's all they need. Yes. If you could just give them that they can take care of the rest. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's, that's what they're on the lookout for here. Yes. 100%. You know, I also am of the that opinion that, you know, all they need is average goaltending. It obviously helps when you get 937 in 2017 from Matt Murray, 925 the year before from Matt Murray in 2016. Um, but if you're 917, 920, you know, Jari's 5v5 save percentage this year was 917. Um, you can win a Stanley cup with that if your offense is yep. flowing as they were this season. Um, but a couple more for you, Jesse. Um, is there anything that concerns you about this series with regards to the Penguins against the Islanders? Yes. And that is, so I think that you, there kind of is a little bit of a Harvey Dent element to the Islanders in that when the game is tied or they're trailing, they are less likely to pack it in you know, just by nature of needing to keep the game open to score. So I think about 2019 and like, 
only having the Penguins only having the lead for five total minutes of that series. Yep. And how much harder that makes it on you. So you just can't afford a slow start. You can't afford, you know, you're probably looking at a Sunday afternoon game. I think more than likely based on the way things are shaked out with the shuck out with the rest of this. Is schedule. that what you've heard so far or nothing yet? I haven't heard that. It's just my gut. Okay. I, I just think that's where you're ending up on her. I think based on the, the, the flow of the game, the pacing of the games that we've seen that are scheduled, I think, and here's the other thing, right? Like what are they waiting for? They're waiting for TV to clear up, right? They're waiting for TV scheduling to become clearing before they put this game on, which makes me think it's Sunday afternoon. They gotta be waiting for the West to finish up potentially. Tonight. I don't think so. Oh, it's not that. I don't either? think. Okay. I don't think so. No, I don't think so because these games are gonna start before that. You mm-hmm. know. Okay. So it, it doesn't. I don't even think it matters at this point. So I, I think for I think it's more or less trying to negotiate where they're gonna put this thing on TV, and I have a feeling it's gonna be Sunday afternoon. Regardless, you're gonna even if it's not. You're still going to have a Sunday afternoon game in this somewhere, probably, or a weekend afternoon game in this somewhere. And I just, you cannot give them that le- that leeway. You can't give them that long leash to let Barry Trotz kind of like do his thing. You know what I mean? Um, and we've seen them do it so many times that it's like you have that bug that says like history could just downright repeat itself. You know? Yeah. And, that, and you wouldn't be surprised by that. They can't, they, they have to learn from the mistakes. And if they don't, I don't think that the result will be different. The good news is is that they've played eight games this year, and in none of them, in my opinion, did they exhibit those same behaviors that that took them out, right? So they, that you hang your hat on that, but it's in the it's always in the back of your craw a little bit, right? Like, man, like we've seen this play out a certain way before, you know, and yeah. and, and there's a certain way you can manage it and control it that make sure it doesn't this time. Yeah, it's definitely something I I am nervous about a little bit. I mean, obviously, I think for a lot of Penguins fans, you know, one word that probably comes to mind that they want for this series is a bit of vengeance um, for what happened those couple of years ago, and to show that the Penguins are not this kind of team anymore, and they're not just going to just embarrass themselves against these defensive first teams. And I think you know Mike Sullivan has learned a lot with his coaching. I think the players. Um, overall from that series have learned a lot on how to play against the Islanders and it showed this year. But yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, that obviously isn't in the back of your mind. You know, you don't want a repeat of what happened there with all the odd man rushes. And as you said, they only led for five to six minutes or whatever it was. I don't think that's going to happen this time. Um, Though here's one more for you. Um, The Penguins will win this series if blank, and I'll give it to you. I'm not gonna do an easy one like turn. They don't turn the puck yeah. over because we talked about it, like a thousand times. So uh, I would say they win if they just continue their dominance on the power play. Um, that's a big. I mean, I know they're fewer and far between in the playoffs, but if they just keep clicking like they have been, and noting the Islanders like sometimes lack of propensity from handling those situations super well against Pittsburgh this year, that's huge. Uh, and having having a lethal one, you know, that's that's like a get out of jail free ticket sometimes. You know. You can cough up one and make a mistake, but if your power play is good, you know that. Think about what a good power play would have done in Montreal last year. You know, um, yeah, that'd have been huge. I feel like this is this is one that's important because I feel like every good, um, every good story, more or less, I think starts out with you know the exercising of some kind of ghost. Right, this is the, probably the biggest one they have right now. Yeah. So if they're gonna go on some kind of magical like storybook run, you want the first chapter to be something exactly like this. You know, the tables, the turkeys on the table, you know, to quote Mike Lang, uh, for them to kind of go out and like manifest destiny here. 
Yes. And, you know, if they potentially get Boston after that to exercise some demons from eight years ago where I had tickets to go to game five when I was a freshman in high school but could not, um, that would be obviously awesome as well. But, yeah, you bring up a good point with the power play. I missed uh, game two of that series. Oh, God. Was it the one they got waxed? That like, was the one Vokun got pulled and Flurry came in and they still got lit up. Yes. I was at a Kendrick Lamar concert. Oh, my God. Way better. <laughs> Yeah. Way better. No regrets about that decision. I would I would not regret that yeah. either. You know, again, I was supposed to yeah. go to game five, but you know, remember, you know, fifteen year old Hunter cried himself to sleep. Um, just because, you know, I was just pissed they got swept, but then also even more pissed I was supposed to go to the game um the following day. But, you know, I, I you do bring up a good point about the power play. Um, what a turnaround it was for the Penguins power play. I mean, bottom third in the league for the first month, month and a half. They finished the season, I think, rank number five overall. Um, just, you know, when they put Jared McCann on there, it really went resurgent. And then even if you took him off and if Kenny Malkin came on, he still had power play points in the last four games before the playoffs. Um, oh, I didn't uh, remember one more thing before I'll get to your uh, potential for series prediction, Jesse. Um, are you concerned with the Penguins penalty killing? Going into this, I, I watched your video a couple weeks ago when you talked about the wedge plus one with how they're uh, defending on the PK and, you know, that's what they're running now. The Jacques Martin is not there. Um, in my opinion, man, I feel like it is something that could cost them a series, but it has been a bit better as of late. But are you still confident that it, it could be even better or is this something that is not going to get fixed at all because it's just been bad, I think, almost the whole season? Um, no, I don't, I, I, I think it's, I, I think it's something that's still a work in process in some sense. So if you don't want to hear now, you know, like now is not the time to, to describe that as your, <laughs> yeah. but I think, I think it's, it's been a settling in process and it's super easy in my opinion, in this system to get a little overzealous. It is, it's easy to get, to get carried away with, with, with four checking, um, and that'll just bite you every time. And I think that they've missed a lot of day one stuff. That's probably got to drive the staff crazy. Got to drive them nuts because it's not high level. You know, um, I think back and I know this is a different situation and it's, you know, not quite the same thing, but you know, stuff like um, uh, the circumstance a couple, a couple weeks ago where Latang jumped behind the net um, in anticipation of a play that wasn't there. You know, that's an empty net situation, but you still have a man advantage. Right. So you, kind of i view it the same way um you, you got to be smarter than that and i think that for them it's a little bit too anticipatory sometimes it's a little bit too mm. i'm taking for granted that my my buddy is going to win this battle right and i'm going to cheat or i'm going to do this because i know he's going to get to find it what are you going to do if he doesn't get it and, they, and that, that's what's happening you know so it, it's gotten from i think it's better um to what level you know that's debatable um but i think um I, it's not it's not something for me that's going to knock him out you know, I, I don't, I don't think it could, I don't think it will. Okay. Uh, that, that does make me feel a little bit better. I just, I, I guess I've gotten frustrated and I've seen some of the fans get frustrated too with the lack of progress from the PK this year and how it's just kind of, um, regressed a bit, you know, when Jacques Martin was here and, you know, I, I obviously know he wasn't, um, the greatest coach with other areas of his responsibilities, but he always started out a really good PK. Um, when he was with Pittsburgh. And of course he did get fired today as the whole Rangers coaching staff did. Um, thanks to Chris Drury. Um, but I, I, I just, the Islanders also really don't have a good power play. I think it is below league average. Um, so this is a good matchup for the Penguins PK. They just have to make sure that they're winning it. Um, 
most of the time. But okay, last thing before I do let you go, Jesse. I think with my, I, I've been going back and forth on this. I'm not 100% sold on it yet, but my current thinking right now, I have the Penguins winning this in six games. I can 100% see it going to seven. Hell, um, it's I'm about 50-50. About 50-50 if it will go seven. But right now, I have it ending in six. Do you have a prediction for this one yet? Uh, I'm settled in with you on that. Um, you know, this is not a team. I don't think it's particularly good right now. You know, their captain, you know, Andres Lee not being in the lineup has really changed them. Yes. Um, they've struggled away from home. They have to start this series on the road. Um, it's a different, it's just a look different, different looking ball game to me this time. So um, I do think, you know, things being what they are, you know, the Penguins, you know, have a tendency to give one up sometimes, right? And make you sweat a little extra. So I, I, I'm going, I'm going six as well, though. I do think they'll come out of this one. Yes, you make a good point there. This time, the Islanders do have to come to PPG Paints Arena, and the Penguins will get the first crack, and hopefully the only crack, at closing the dump that is the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Uniondale, New York. Um, I cannot wait for the Islanders to go to the new arena. I absolutely despise the Coliseum, and I'm sure almost every Penguin fan out there despises it as well, just because it's been a house of horrors for Pittsburgh overall. But yeah, I'm with you. Penguins in six. Um, I think they... Well, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go game by game. I, I don't, I don't like doing that. So we'll just, we'll see how it goes, but uh, Penguins in six, but Jesse, thank you so much for coming on and pre- previewing this series with me. I really appreciate it. Lots of great insight as always. Um, just tell everyone where you are on Twitter in case someone does not follow you, which is you know insane in my opinion, but, um, and also tell everyone, um, when your next piece is going up on the athletic with the series. Uh, tomorrow, Thursday, hopefully probably sometime in the morning, um, real like video heavy. Um, and again, kind of like a diagram, hopefully a lot of the stuff that we, uh, went over today and try to show why things are different. Yes, that, that is exactly what, um, I like to hear. And hopefully all the listeners here, um, would like to hear as well. Game one, still don't know when it is, but as Jesse says, you know, it might be, Sunday it's afternoon. Be in 2021. Yeah, it literally dude, just make has it, to be. Yeah, make it 2022 at this point. I'm just messing around, but uh, um, I I would guess Sunday afternoon as well. Maybe a three o'clock start or a 12:30 p.m. start with NBC. You never know. They like to start games in half an hour late anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. As always, thank you all for listening, and we'll be back with another episode Thursday and Friday. I'll be doing a crossover. Um, with Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders, we're just going to preview it from his side, and then he's also going to ask me questions about the series from my perspective as well. So stick around for that. And then, of course, um, keep it right here on Locked On Penguins for everything Penguins-related. Um, and as we hope to see, the Penguins go on a huge uh, Stanley Cup run and try to get Sid and Gino one more before they um, go off into the sunset. But again, thank you all so much for listening, and I'll talk to you all tomorrow.